So throughout the month of January, we have been talking about prayer, and we've been talking about prayer as a conversation. You know, I I think we've learned prayer can be summarized in many different ways, right? We've heard prayer summarized as uh, not just a conversation with God, but a partnership with God. Uh, That prayer is something that helps us grow in our relationship with God. All of these things are true. But in week one, we talked about um, how we can continue to grow in our prayer life. In fact, I said growing in prayer is meant to be a natural byproduct of a growing relationship with God. So the two are not mutually exclusive. As we grow in our relationship with God, as we mature in our faith, um, the byproduct of that is growing in our prayer life. You know, some practical ways that we grow in prayer uh, is by warming up in the word. You might remember this. So just like an athlete uh, warms up before the big game, uh, warming up in the word can help soften our hearts and our minds to hear from God. Because God's word is God's revelation to us. If you want to know who God is, you want to know what's on his heart and his mind, read his word. We also grow in prayer when we learn to develop uh, what we call a a dependable habit of prayer. Now you hear that word habit and uh, I'm sure there's habits in your life that are not that great, right? (laughs) You know, we probably all have them. We have habits that maybe we're not too proud of. Habits that uh, looking into 2022, these are things that we would like to maybe erase from our resume a little bit. But there are good habits in this life, especially as followers of Jesus. And I would say that developing a dependable habit of prayer, the spiritual discipline of prayer, that is a good thing. Learning to connect with God before we connect with others, um, that is so important. We, We learn to hear God speak to us before we open our mouth and talk to other people. And I don't know about you, but my mouth has gotten me in trouble in my life. Has your mouth gotten you in trouble? Anybody? Yeah. So, so how awesome is it that God has given us this tool to come to him and to hear from him, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us before we open our mouth and speak to others? I think that's great. Finally, we grow in our prayer life when uh, we learn to pray strategic prayers. These are kingdom prayers, prayers about God's mission and God's purpose in the world and in our lives. And I made the case that I think this is the most important kind of prayer. You know, certainly God cares about all the details in our lives. And we can and should pray about everything. Um, but praying uh, for God's will, for his purpose, for, for his mission, um, that's the most important thing. You know, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So strategic prayers, these aren't flippant prayers. These aren't, you know, quick prayers that we pray at the dinner table, uh, thanking God for our food, which, you know, is good. We should do that. These are intentional prayers that take time. We give God our undivided attention, and we pray strategically uh, for the things that we recognize in our lives and in the world. And I would say we've been praying strategic prayers throughout the month of January, have we not? You look at that prayer guide that we have each week, and we're praying for our youth, in our church, uh, that God would uh, draw them to himself, that they would come to know Jesus in a real way, in a meaningful way. They would live their lives for him. We've been praying for our future youth minister. We don't know who this person is or who their family is, but God does. And we're praying that God would bring them to OCC when the time is right. And we're trusting God's timing. And I think I can tell you more than anyone, I'm ready for this person to get here. There's some responsibilities that I would like to give away at this moment in my life. I'm ready for God to send us a youth minister, but we're trusting that he's going to send the right person uh, when the time is right. 
In week two, uh, Ryan Ross, uh, he's not in here right now. I think he's serving with our kids this morning. He kind of does a lot of things in our church, uh, as many of you do. But Ryan gave a great message entitled, Hearing from God in Prayer. Uh, Communication is two ways, is it not? It's not just one person talking. And sometimes prayer feels like that. Sometimes prayer feels like it's just me talking and there's not really much of a response. But prayer is communicating with God. It's a dialogue. And we hear from God in a number of ways. We hear from God through scripture. We hear from God through the Holy Spirit. We hear from God through others. Have you ever had someone who's maybe a spiritual leader in your life who gives you wise counsel about something? And you know that God was using that person to speak truth into your life? God uses people in that way. We talked about how we can recall history and hear from God that way. Um, We hear from God through signs and wonders. So while God can speak to us in several different ways, um, Ryan also shared some of the pitfalls that come with each of these different ways. And we were reminded, I guess at its core, that um, God will never speak to you in a way that contradicts what he's already said in his word. That's so important. We test everything against scripture. I don't care if it's in your family, in your job, If I say something from the stage here on Sunday morning, friends, you need to test that against scripture. You need to make sure that what I'm saying is true. And that's actually how you participate in the service. You know, I, there will be things that I say that I might get wrong at times. And I know that just blows your mind, (laughs) but I'm not a perfect person, but we serve a perfect God. Amen. So God will never speak to you in a way that contradicts what he says in his word. When God speaks to you, he's applying to your life what he's already said. And then in week three, we talked about praying uh, for healing and restoration. You know, I look out over the different families in our church. And uh, part of serving as your pastor means that I get to have those those intimate one-on-one conversations with many of you. Um, I know that there is hurt in our church. I know that there's people who are struggling uh, in various ways. Um, There are families struggling in our community. Um, in our country, uh, around the world. I mean, at times, you know, I I lay my head down at night and at times I feel like maybe it's just too much for for one person to handle and maybe my prayers don't really make a difference. Well, they do make a difference. And it is too much for one person to handle, meaning us, but it's it's not too much for God to handle. And we serve an awesome God. The Bible says uh, that with God, all things are possible. So when we pray for healing and restoration, we are echoing God's word, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I'll restore their land. So from the Old Testament to today, God's people have always had a need for healing and restoration in some form or another. The need for God's healing and restoration is is so evident in our world today. It's so evident in our community, in our families, and even in the church. And we need to be praying about these things. So while this verse uh, is an incredible verse, and it contains an awesome promise that God uh, will hear from heaven, that he'll forgive our sins, he'll restore our land, we learn that there are four important conditions to this promise. And uh, there are promises that come alongside prayer. Uh, We're told that um, if we pray in Jesus' name, that if we pray together uh, in unity, God will hear a prayer like that. He'll answer a prayer like that. While there's promises, there's also conditions. And this 
promise of prayer has four of them. Number one, we're called to humble ourselves towards God. So we admit that we're not in control, that God is. And, and I don't know about you, but I think that needs to be a daily reminder for us. You know, when you get up in the morning, when you're reading God's word, that's a great way to start the day. God, I'm not in control. You are. You know, you need to take the steering wheel of my life. All right, it's not uh, follow the leader where God follows me and the things that I want to do. It's the other way around. I'm called to follow Jesus. That's why we're called followers of Christ. We're following God. We're also called to ask for help. And, and this sounds like a no-brainer, but Jesus actually said, you, you, you don't have these things because you don't ask. You have not because you ask not. And we're reminded that we, we have to ask. We have to go to God in prayer and ask for healing and ask for restoration in our lives. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with people and they're struggling, they're suffering in one way or another. And then I ask the simple question, well, have you prayed about it? No, not yet. Well, pray about it. Pray about these things. Ask God for help. We're called to seek God's face. I think this is so important. We seek God, not a miracle. I think, I think a lot of times we pray about specific things, whether it's health related or family crises and We really just want the miracle. We really just want the thing that we're asking for. We don't truly want to seek God first. And one condition to this promise is that we have to seek God's face. We have to seek him first. He has to be number one in our lives. And it could be that we're not hearing an answer to our prayers because we're not putting God first. That's one condition. And then finally, uh, we turn our attention from the world to the word. And we need to be intentional about disconnecting from the world a little bit and turning our attention to the truths of God's word. I've been having this conversation with my wife recently, and we've been talking about screen time with our kids and, and what we're allowing into our house. You know, we should have a filter. We should be intentional about the things that come into our lives. And when we talk about turning our attention from the world to the word, I think we're living in a day and age where Christian parents a young parents specifically, you're going to be faced with a decision as you raise your kids. Are you going to allow the world to infiltrate your home and to pass through whatever kind of filter you have set up and to really essentially raise and mold and develop your kids? Or is the word of God, is that going to be what molds and develops your children? And are you going to be the vessel that God uses for that? Friends, we have to be intentional. I think now more than ever about turning our attention from the world to the word. And then finally, last week, we talked about when God says no. Those aren't easy times, are they? Sometimes God says no to our prayers. And throughout God's word, there's incredible stories of answered prayer. You know, we we touched on some of those last week. I would say in this room this morning, there are incredible stories of answered prayer. If we did a message just on answered prayer, we could have one testimony after another of of how God heard your prayer and answered your prayer. And we can celebrate that. We learn that God also says no at certain times. He says no when we pray frivolous prayers or self-serving prayers. God says no when we pray contradictory prayers. You know, if we're praying about something that is, is, contra, is contrary to his word, and if we're praying about something that is in disagreement with other believers within the church, both of those things, those are uh, prayers that are contradictory prayers. As Christians, we're called to be unified with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're supposed to preserve 
unity in the church, especially in prayer. Well, God will also say no to our prayers when we pray with a disobedient heart. You know, maybe you have sin in your life that you haven't repented of. You know, sin that you know is important to God, that's a big deal, but you're choosing to live in that anyway. And that can be one reason why God says no to your prayers. Psalm 66, verses 18 through 20 says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God, who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. So sometimes God will say no because we're praying from a disobedient heart. But thankfully, God has provided a way uh, for us to be reconciled to God, for us to be forgiven and freed from the weight of sin in our life and, and the chains, the bondage of sin. That's what sin is. is it's, it's like chaining you up and, and tying you down. It's bondage. But Christ came so that we would be free. Well, finally, God will say no Sometimes uh, when our prayers are not frivolous, when they're not contradictory or prayed from a disobedient heart, sometimes God says no, um, even when our prayers are sincere. That's just the reality of the way God works. And it's in these times that, that prayer can feel like a, a, a mystery. Even though prayer is simply communicating with God, it's having a conversation with God. It can often feel like a mystery um, because God's ways are so much higher than our ways. They're so much beyond our ways. And it's difficult to understand why God does what he does sometimes. It's in those times that we have to learn to trust God, regardless of the answer, that he's still good, that he's still faithful, that he can work all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose for their life. So while prayer is simply communicating with God, it's, it's also all about faith. And we're people of faith, are we not? And thankfully, God has, has given us his word, and we can know who he is by name. We can learn about his character and his nature. We can learn about who we were created to be in Christ. All of these details and all of these facts. So the Christian faith, the, the Christian walk, um, isn't void of facts. If anything, it's full of them. Yet, we're called to be people of faith. Without faith, we can't please God. Without faith, we can't live for God. We're called to be people of faith. So I want to wrap up this series by sharing four very short and simple yet foundational truths about prayer. I think these things will help propel you into 2022. I believe these things are going to really help grow your prayer life if you allow them to. So number one, if you happen to be taking notes on Dan's notes, yet they're mine, God, uh, God's love for me, uh, God loves for me to talk with him. Let me say that one more time. God loves for me to talk with him. That sounds very simple, doesn't it? That sounds kind of like a Sunday school answer. You know, your Sunday school teacher asks you what the answer is, and you say Jesus. It's not a wrong answer. It's just a simple answer. Well, this is a simple yet foundational truth about prayer. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So again, this is such an important truth and verse about prayer. As a follower of Jesus, you can and should talk to God about everything that's on your heart and your mind, big or small. You can bring your request to him morning, noon, and night. You know, we prayed for Dan's health this morning. We prayed for his hip. 
And we pray for the health of those who are sick in our church. We do that every single week. But our prayers don't just have to be about health. You know, we pray for a meal before we eat. But friends, our prayers don't have to just be about food. We pray and we thank God for for everything in every situation. And that's because God is interested in the things that you are interested in. Let me say that one more time. God is interested in the things that you are interested in. Did you know that? And we know this because of truths like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God loves you with what we call an everlasting love. In fact, your existence is because of God's love. Your very existence, your every breath that you take is a result of God's love. God made you with your specific DNA, you know, your unique gifts and talents and the interests that you have. And when you truly love someone, you're interested in the things that they are interested in. You know, I am, I'm a terrible gardener. You can't even call me a gardener. I'm I'm not. I just observe. I'm, I'm a terrible knitter and crocheter. I'm not great at these things, but you know what? My wife is passionate about these things. And I love my wife with everything that I am. And because I love her, I'm going to take an interest in the things that she's interested in. So God is interested in the things that you're interested in because he made you and because he loves you. Because of who God is, John 5 verses 14 and 15 says, we can be confident in approaching God, knowing that he listens to us whenever we ask him for anything according to his will. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, then we can be sure that he answers us. So God loves for me to talk with him. You can talk with God about anything. He's, he's interested in the things that you're interested in because he made you. He's your creator. Number two, foundational truth about prayer. God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, let us come near to God with sincere hearts and a sure faith. So what are the two things? A sincere heart and a sure faith. Again, we've talked about the importance of praying strategic or kingdom prayers. And while I do believe these are the most important kinds of prayers, we're also reminded in Hebrews that God listens to the prayers of his people even when they're simple. Even when they're simple. Now there's two very important words when it comes to prayer in this verse. Sincerity and simplicity. Sincerity and simplicity. You might want to write those two down if if you can. Sincerity and simplicity. God wants us to come near to him, to draw near to him with a sincere heart and a sure faith. What does that mean? Well, praying with a sincere heart. If I'm praying with a sincere heart, I'm talking to God about whatever's on my mind and on my heart. I'm going to be open and honest with him. It's like talking to a true friend. You know, I think about that story of the new pastor going and visiting one of the older men in his congregation. And the man would sit and just pray next to an empty rocking chair because he would talk to God as though he was sitting right next to him. That's how we can talk with God. We pray with a sincere heart. You can tell God whatever's on your mind, whatever is on your heart. I think a lot of people are afraid to pray because they're afraid that they're going to say the wrong thing, that they have to come up with these formal and poetic prayers 
And to some people, that's what prayer is, right? It's some guy standing on a stage um, wearing, you know, some, some classy preacher's outfit and saying words that are so elegant and so formal. And then you leave and go home. It's like, I can't do that. Did you know that Jesus criticized that kind of prayer? He criticized it. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they would puff themselves up. They'd go stand out in the middle of the street and they would pray using these big words, these long words that most people didn't understand. I'll just tell you right now, even as your pastor, if I was around during that time and I heard prayers like that, I would be afraid to pray. I would feel like I can't measure up. Like I fall short. There's nothing that I could say that God would want to hear because look at these guys. I mean, they're just reciting things so clearly and so elo- eloquently. How can we ever measure up to something like that? Well, here's the good news. You don't have to. You don't have to. In fact, you're told not to. God just wants us to be sincere in our prayers. Let him know what's really going on in your life. Are you afraid right now? Are you worried about something? Maybe worried about a relationship, worried about your marriage, worried about your kids. Are you ashamed? Is there sin in your life that you're ashamed of? Guess what? You don't have to be afraid to talk with God. If you need his help, just be honest with him about what's going on. I wish I had more time today, and I wish I had more time to think of other examples this morning, but time and time again, we see that when people come together, the people of God, and they complain to each other, it never accomplishes anything. But then when they turn their requests, even their complaints, when they turn to God in prayer, you see healing, you see that restoration, you see God beginning to work in the way that he wants to. So that's praying with a sincere heart. Friends, be honest with God. And then what does it mean to pray with a sure faith? Well, that's praying with confidence. So not only can you be honest with God, but you can actually be confident in your conversations with God. The NIV translation of Hebrews 10 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. So that word is the same. And with the full assurance that faith brings. So we draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So we can approach God directly and with confidence, not because of who we are or because of anything that we've done, You know, even on our best days, God's word says that um, our best efforts are like filthy rags. I'm not going to explain what those filthy rags are, but if you actually go and study that, it's pretty disgusting. Yet we can approach God with confidence. And we do that because of who Jesus is. We don't have to be embarrassed We don't have to be hesitant when it comes to God in prayer. If God is convicting you about something, you can respond to that. And God's goal is not to make you guilty. And there's a difference. There's a difference between guilt and conviction. And I would say that guilt comes from the devil. Conviction comes from God. If you're feeling convicted about something, the godly response is repentance. It's to turn a 180 and to trust that God is in control and that he's going to forgive you. Um, Guilt is walking around with the weight of that sin on your back. Jesus came so that you didn't have to do that. You don't have to walk around with that anymore. So a sure faith, that's approaching God with confidence. Remember, God is a loving father who loves for us to talk with him. 
He listens to our prayers when they're sincere and simple. They don't have to be long and drawn out. Number three, a foundational truth of prayer. God likes to show his goodness and grace by answering prayer. He loves to show his goodness and his grace, his character and his nature by answering prayer. God is a good God. In fact, one of my favorite songs that we sing is the song, Good, Good Father. And uh, I remember hearing that for the first time. And, and it's just such a great song that reminds us about a very important aspect of God's character and nature. He's a good father. He's a compassionate father. He's a father who's slow to anger, a father who's full of love. God loves to answer the prayers of his people because it's in those moments that he gets to remind us about who he truly is. Think about that. God loves to answer your prayers because he gets to show off a little bit. And God can show off because that's who he is. And we get to be reminded about his love and his grace and his mercy. You know, over 20 times in the New Testament, at least 20 times, we're commanded to ask. Over 20 times, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're commanded to ask God for things. Prayer is clearly, clearly a crucial aspect of what it means to know and follow Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself modeled this for us. The disciples asked him to teach them to pray. Prayer is meant to be such a crucial aspect of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, one reason that we're commanded to come to God in prayer, asking for things, is because God gets to remind us about how good he really is. Even when God's answer is no, or when we find it really hard uh, to accept his answer. And I've experienced that in my life. You know, I, I know that God can do anything. And I, I remember uh, when my sister passed away. You know, I wanted so bad just to have another day with her. I wanted so bad just to talk with her again. But God was able to remind me through that process that even when the answer is, is no, I mean, he's still good. He's still faithful. He's still in control. He still has a plan. And I've, I've seen uh, my sister's life be used now in some pretty incredible ways, not only in our family, but to others. You know, sharing her story with other people has provided an opportunity as a pastor for me to connect with others who've experienced the same thing. And all of a sudden, we can have a conversation about how difficult that is to lose a loved one, yet how faithful God is at the same time. God is still gracious. He's still full of mercy. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And realizing the truth that God is always good, that he's always compassionate, and that he loves to show his grace by answering the prayers of his people, that is a foundational truth about prayer. It's a truth that has the potential of growing your prayer life in a real and meaningful way this year. And that's because prayer was God's idea. It's not a human idea. It's not a human institution. Prayer is God's idea. And he can be taken at his word, especially in prayer. So God loves to show his goodness and his grace by answering prayer. Number four, this will be the, the last truth for this series. I think this is a great way to wrap up our series on prayer. God longs to be close to me. God longs to be close to me. Friends, this is something that he desires. This is something that God it brings joy to his heart. 
He wants to be close to you, and he wants you to draw near to him. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 says, The Lord, and then underline this word if you want, waits. The Lord waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. I mean, what, what an amazing truth. This truth that God wants you to come to him, and not only that, but he waits for you. The only thing that I can think of that, that relates to this in some way is, is this. You know, my wife and I, we have a lot of meetings at the church. A lot of you are involved in different meetings at the church. Sometimes I think we have too many meetings at this church. <laughs> can I just say that out loud? Sometimes we have too many meetings. Sometimes we just need to do, you know, pray about things, and then we just need to do it. That's beside the point. Sometimes in these meetings, um, I'll get a text on my phone, and, uh, and this is what my wife will say. She'll say something like, hey, how's the meeting going? You know, or she'll text a little bit later and say, when are you coming home? And what she's really saying is this, um, I miss you, and I want to be near you. And I do the same thing. She's a part of meetings at church that I'm not a part of. And we're both, we, we long to be with each other, even if we're just apart for two hours or so. I think it's hard to believe, but in a much greater way, friends, God longs to be near you. The Bible says he waits for you to come to him so that he can show you his goodness, so that he can show you his compassion and his love once again. I think some of you, if God were texting you this morning, your message on your end would say, where are you? Where have you been? I miss talking to you. What God is really saying is, I'm waiting for you to draw near to me. That's something that God desires. He wants to be close to you. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw close to God and God will draw close to you. So have you felt distant from God this season? Again, begin each day in the word and in prayer. That's one of the best ways you can draw close to God, draw near to him. The promise is that he will draw near to you. You know, you don't always feel or experience God's presence, but a lot of the times you do. He's good that way. And then in those times when you don't, you can be reminded that he still is who he says he is, that he still loves you and that he still draws near to you. So throughout this series, we've talked about how prayer is simply communicating with God. It's, it's drawing close to God on a daily basis. That's such an important aspect of a growing and thriving relationship with God. And for some of you this morning, maybe many of us, you know, the New Year's resolution doesn't need to be working out more or eating healthy. The New Year's resolution needs to be, God, I'm going to draw near to you. Because when I do, you promise that you'll draw near to me. You wait for me. You long to be near me. You could say that prayer is fundamental to our faith. You know, good coaches, they'll practice the fundamentals with their athletes. You know, whether it's wrestling, basketball, football, whatever it is, you always come back to the fundamentals. And prayer is one of those for us. It's fundamental. You might have heard these things time and time again, yet when we're reminded about them, it sharpens the tools. It reminds us about who God is. You know, without prayer, and, and I think about Dan this morning when I say this, um, without prayer, the Christian walk is just another religion. If you know something about Dan, you know that that guy hates religion, but he loves Jesus. He loves relationship. Prayer is part of what makes faith a relationship. You're talking with God. You're communicating with God. You're listening to God.
So I guess in closing, I want to say this. that The God of the universe, the one who simply spoke what we see into existence, that God has a desire to speak with the very people whom he created. My wife has this chart up on the fridge and she's doing a challenge with our boys and it's a thousand hours outside in a year. And I'm looking at this chart and every time they spend an hour outside, they color in a little dot and there's a thousand of them. It's like, how are you going to do this? Well, she's been reminding me that the average kid in America um, spends 12,000 hours connected to technology in a year. So what if we just replace a thousand of those? And and I want to kind of extend that to our church family. You know, whether it's getting out in nature, you know, God's general revelation, He's, he's, the things that he's made, we can get to know God a little bit through that. At the very least, be reminded about his awesomeness and his power. You know, get out in nature a little bit. And then his special revelation, his word, spend time with him in the word this year. Maybe for you, that thousand hours is just the time you're going to spend with God regardless of what it looks like. But the God of the universe wants to talk with you. He wants to spend time with you. We can develop that habit beginning each day in the word and in prayer. So that's my challenge to you today, church. Do this and see how God grows your faith. Draw near to him through his word and through prayer and see what happens.